0: You're listening to the Scarlet Society podcast, the show that encourages women over 40 to be excited, curious, and even turned on by starting the second half of their life. This is the show for support, community, and conversation about everything that goes along with this season, from sexual health and wellness to sexual exploration, finances, monogamy, and relationships. No topic is off limits. Let's dive in.
1: Cool. So um again, thank you so much for carving out the time. Uh we are all about at Scarlet Society, uh, you know, a website for women over 40 looking to really um feel empowered for this next part of life and dating, online dating, all the things. So when I um learned a little bit more about Garbo and your experience and how you created it you know, we got really excited and wanted to hear more. So I'd love to start with, um, you know, could you introduce yourself and just talk a little bit about how, you know, your background and how you founded um, Garbo?
0: Yeah, happy to. And thank you so much for uh, having me here today. Um, So I'm Catherine Kasmitas. I'm the founder and CEO of Garbo, uh, founded in 2018. After my own experiences with gender-based violence and ultimately going through the reporting process and being very frustrated, um, uh, with the results of that process. Um, and, uh, and going through all three justice systems, right. Family court, uh, criminal court, and ultimately, uh, filing a civil suit. And it was really through this experience of spending over $150,000 as a survivor that I was like, wow, if it's this difficult for me, a white, privileged, educated young woman with access to this kind of money, what the hell is it like for the average person trying to do this? And so really made it my mission to prevent what happened to me, to happening to other people. And I believe in how you do that is you have to prevent someone from meeting a harmful person, right? Because they latch their teeth in so quickly that you have to prevent them from ever actually meeting that person, especially in in person. Uh, So so set out in 2018 to build a a new kind of online background check or safety check as we like to call it today um, to help proactively prevent harm in today's digital age, not only through technology, but tools and education as well. And so now just a, a first name and a phone number, other limited information you might have about someone before meeting them, especially you know online dating, but the other ways in which we meet people today, even buying something off Craigslist or or a new online friend, whatever it may be. With just that limited information, uh, you can see if they have any violent or harmful arrest convictions and sex offender records. Um, And so when I say violent or harmful, we do exclude um, certain uh, nonviolent, non-harmful offenses like marijuana, loitering, things like that, um, while also eliminating access to a lot of that personal identifying information that tend to be in these other loosely called competitor uh, sites of of background checks. Um, So it's really finding the balance of privacy and protection in, in today's digital age.
1: So explain to me how exactly Garbo works. It's a website you go to and you plug in someone's name and phone number. And with just that information, you can get you know, information you would want to know before meeting someone for a date or to sell your car off of Craigslist, that kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. And so
0: it's just that limited information. Um, it's $2 and 50 cents plus a 75 cent processing fee. So it's 14 times cheaper than any other solution on the market as well. Um, and yeah, it takes anywhere from five seconds to two minutes, kind of depending on if there are records in someone's, uh, history and, and, uh, You'll see them. uh, And then you'll also see access to resources directly within the platform itself. So, our partnership with the National Domestic Violence Hotline, for example, you can talk to an advocate without ever leaving Garbo, live chat with someone. So, if you do see a record, right, that's a very visceral, like, what the fuck do I do experience, you know? Totally. And so, being, and we're not the experts, right? I'm not the expert in the space of, of, and it's very personal, right? Safety is very personal. So that person needs to talk to someone who can help them safety plan or make the sense of of what to kind of do next in their own personal situation.
1: Can you talk a little bit about how widespread domestic violence, emotional violence, um, you know, issues are? Like, I think a lot of times people go online dating and they just don't think it's going to happen to them. You know, what have you found as you've created this company as to why a service like yours is so important?
0: Oh man, I was just actually talking to my team about the the prevalence of gender-based violence, especially because we have some some male engineers on our team who don't realize how kind of widespread the issue is. And I was saying, you know, maybe it's just that people trust me with telling me about their experiences with gender-based violence because of my work or like, holy shit, is this really happening to everyone in my life pretty much? Uh, They're always at something every single week, like I have to... Later today, um, uh, go to the police station with a friend to help them file a police report about something that happened to them. And so, you know, I just realized gender based violence is is it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. And, you know, I, I often say, you know, that there aren't a lot of rapists, but rapists rape a lot. Right. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's serial perpetrators. And that's really where Garbo comes in, is to prevent serial perpetrators, because we know that a history of violence is the biggest indicator of future violence. For example, if someone has a domestic violence felony, that is the biggest indicator that they will continue causing harm in their community. Um, and so how can we work to to prevent that from happening more?
1: How much are you open to talking a little bit more about your experience? Because this sounds like a real personal mission given, you know, what you went through personally and then what you went through trying to unwind from it. You know, can you share a little bit more detail that you started with just to help our listeners and our readers understand like how this could happen to you, how it might happen to them and and what was all involved in that? Totally. So, um, you know, as I said, I'm a multi-time survivor of
0: gender-based violence since I was, a, I think I was first sexually assaulted when I was 10 years old. So, you know, this is, this is very mission-driven to me. I'm a, a victim of CSAM, right? All of these types of things, a lot of digital abuse, digital harm, in-person harm, et cetera. The ultimate culmination that was when I met someone on Tinder, um, in 2016 and uh, quickly found myself in a very abusive relationship and every definition of what abuse means. and um, was lucky enough to escape about a year and a half later um, thanks to some coworkers who kind of saw inklings of what was happening, right? I'm crying in the office and why is this person calling you all the time? those types of things. and thought it was over. you know, I had escapes um, and, and thought I could move on with my life. I kind of midnight moved out of the situation, et cetera. And um, it didn't end, right? He started this whole campaign of stalking and harassment against me. As I now know, leaving is often the most dangerous Dangerous time for a survivor or a victim um, actually escaping the relationship. And on average, it takes a person seven times to escape an abusive relationship. So you often hear, Why didn't you leave? Well, I tried to leave a lot of times before then. I just couldn't, financial abuse, et cetera. And, um, and he started doing things like, you know, emailing, texting, showing up to where I was, all of those types of things. Um, but then sending my bosses and coworkers a, a lewd video of me. Um, And then going on to post on all of these revenge websites like exposed psychos or liarsandcheaters.com with my photo and uh, some paragraphs that were SEO optimized, right, for search engines. My name mentioned other people by name, companies that I worked at as a liar and cheater and whore and drug addict and everything else that you could possibly say about someone. And they started ranking number one on my Google search results. Like worst nightmare. And someone emailed, and they said, or my friend like texted me and said, "Hey, have you like googled yourself?" And it's like, "Who googles themselves?" No. Um, and I googled myself, and just dozens of these pages um, uh, on my Google search results. And that's when I felt like, "Shit, this is out of my control." Now this is no longer impacting just me. This is online. This is my career. This is my livelihood. At that point, Future. I was in started marketing. You know, I was in started marketing. I'm a published author on many different publications. At that point, you know, like I had a career that this was definitely going to impact. And I called a hotline. I didn't know what to do, right? I called a few hotlines and they all said to, you should probably get an order of protection. And I said, how do you get an order? I don't know how to get an order of protection. Well, here in New York, you have to get a police report to get an order of protection. And so you're kind of automatically entered into two justice systems, family court and criminal court. And I get the order of protection and family court turns around and violates it. Well, violations are criminal offense, so I'd walk down to the police station every week and be like, here's what he did this week. Um, and we'd have this stack of police reports and nothing happened, right? They'd say, just log off the internet or just like delete your account. Or, you know, we're too busy dealing with murder right now. And I'm like, mm, don't you want to like prevent a murder rather than like having to like deal with what after? I don't know, maybe, right? Um, and so <laughs> a lot of victim blaming happening. And I go through the the, the criminal justice process and I think he was charged with like three felonies and two misdemeanors. And um, he gets off with a disorderly conduct, which is just a violation. It's not an actual offense here in New York. But it will, will the felony charges be on his record now or? Right, so, so that's where Garbo shows arrests and convictions, right? Because there's this thing, right? Especially in gender-based violence offense, I call it whitewashing because it's mostly wealthy white men who have good lawyers. Uh, you'll be charged with something really, really bad at the top, stalking, harassment, sexual assault, blah, blah, blah. Well, then it gets whitewashed through the system, right? And then they're like, oh, you're a first-time offender, poor pitiful you, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera, uh, empathizing with the abuser. And they often get reduced down to disorderly conducts. Wow. Um, and I hear this story. I just had a woman come to me thinking she had this order of protection. She's like, why is it not showing up in database, the, the offense behind the order of protection. And I read the, the protection order and I had to tell her it's a disorderly conduct. And it oh my broke God. her heart because they didn't tell her it wasn't a public record. And that's the reason is like, this is what pissed me off is most people, even myself included, some of it was self-defense, self-mechanism, self-preservation. Most of the time it is to prevent the next victim. They don't want someone else that caught, like, uh, be the the victim of this person. So they're reporting to prevent it. They're not reporting out of malicious intent or when this person to jail. They don't want them to continue causing harm. And I just realized the system is not designed to do that exact thing. And so that's where it really started was like, okay, how can we help make these records and reports of violent and harmful behavior more accessible, more easy to access, more affordable uh, for wow. folks? Um, and, and it was, yeah, it's a very personal thing. And I'm still going through, I just got, some emails today about uh, court responses and and things that I have to have to deal with with the situation. So it's on wing, and and it it is what fuels me. Um, is is my own personal experience, but also like I said, being trusted with other people's stories. You know, now and and having that you know different lenses to the same problem.
1: I feel like what you're doing is simplifying a process that more and more people are going to, once they know about, want to take part in, right? Because we are increasingly digital. We do everything online. And so is that your ultimate goal that Garbo becomes so well-known that people can just go on, do this simple background check, and then just feel so much more comfortable going on that date or going to someone's house to pick up something they're buying, et cetera? That's sounds like really your mission is to make this, that widespread and common. Yeah.
0: Like we, we, you know, all, we always say like, we can't wait till it becomes a verb. Did you garbo that person? Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's cool. really what we really, really hope. But you know, it's not just technology, public records can't solve this problem. And there are tons of problems with public records. Like we are very transparent that we don't have access to every record. And there are some counties that don't provide access to this information, et cetera. So you know, I, I, I don't want people to over-index, and this is something that we we show in the app when there is no search result. You search for someone and there is no record found. We show reasons why there might not be a record found. We might not have access to it, you know, or they might be a good person, like, right? Like trying to inform that person that, hey, just because someone does not have a arrest or conviction record of violence does not mean they are not a violent person, it means they haven't been caught by the system yet, right? Like that's what it means. And so, don't over-index on a a. There's no record found. That's why Garbo is about technology, tools, and education, right? You have to have all three. Um. And so, we we publish a lot of content at the intersection of like safety tips and healthy relationships as well. So people, again, aren't just armed with that that technology and that data. They're armed with information about what a healthy relationship really looks like and, and what is love bombing and gaslighting and all of these type, what are green flags, like all of these different things. So they, they can go into that experience being armed with all of the information, all of the tools, right? We say Garbo is a tool in the safety tool belt. It is not a silver bullet, right? Nothing is a silver bullet when it comes to safety, but how can you just arm that person with more and more and more tools and and information to make their own safety decisions?
1: How do you stay hopeful after a situation like you went through? And, you know, I imagine at some point maybe now, or maybe you're, you know, you've already done this. Like, you're like, Oh God, I have to try to meet someone again. I don't want this person to wreck my life forever. But like, how do you bounce back from what sounds like a horrifying situation you went through? Like.
0: Yeah and you know I've experienced gender based violence before and after that situation right like that that I've experienced it after that situation um and so and I think women are always experiencing gender based violence right you can't really escape it whether i say it's a spectrum catcalling to murder right every woman i've ever talked to experiences these things and and i go out on the street and i'm catcalled etc so right. It was horrible. And the things that have happened to me are are very bad and I don't let them define me. You know, I, I allow the anger to fuel me. Right. So if I say I am still a very angry person, right. Like, and I think that's not a bad thing. Um, and, and survivors are often told, don't be angry, et cetera. just heal, focus on yourself. It's like, no, I, I, I am angry. Um, but in terms of a la- like, I also laugh, right. And I'm a funny person and I enjoy life, Um, and people often think like when they meet me, like they expect me to be like some sort of solemn, sad survivor. And, you know, what I, I find what motivates me and keeps me going and and healing, et cetera, is the resiliency of survivors, right? Like you can throw whatever you want at, 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 mostly women, um, and they just keep surviving, right? You can't knock them down. And I think that's what really motivates me is seeing, so many different people who have vastly different experiences um, than than my own getting up every day and smiling and laughing at that joke, et cetera. And so that's what heals me and, and has helped me move
1: move forward. It sounds like you put a lot of your anger ball into launching this company as well and really kind oh, yeah, of turning exactly. it into a purpose, which is really inspiring. And I wonder if there's advice you have for other people who are, you know, probably mostly women saying like, shit, this happened to me too. I'm, i have been a victim or I am a victim. Like what's your best advice on, on what to do? Like. <sighs>
0: yeah. It's very personal for everyone. But a quote that really resonated with me is take your broken hearts and turn it into art, right? Whatever art is for you, but like take the pieces and build something with it. Right. Like don't just allow it to be shattered on the floor. You know, that's not going to help anyone. And so, you, you know, but I it, it looks different on every day too, right? It's like some people think I'm like such a strong person and oh my God, you know, you're a survivor and you're out there like talking about these things day in and day out. Some days I don't want to get out of bed, right? Some days I are hard. Some days I don't want to talk about these things. Uh, and so so that, that will look
1: different for everyone on every day, right? Mm-hmm. So- Can we talk just a little bit about resources for women who are like, I'm in this right now and I've tried to get out twice and I'm in it again. You know, you, you talk about it taking an average of seven times to leave. Can you just kind of run through some of your top resources for someone listening who is in crisis and needs help?
0: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, knowing my experience in in domestic violence, right? They often alienate you from your connections, um, purposefully, And I think that's the biggest thing I can say is tell someone you trust, right? And that can be a coworker. It doesn't have to be a fan. It can be someone somewhat removed from the situation that can help you as kind of this third party that this maybe your abuser doesn't even know, right? They don't know your coworker, et cetera, but that person can help you safety plan. That person can also call the hotline for you, right? You can't call the hotline. Maybe your device is compromised or you're stuck in the house with that person, allowing someone else to take that burden from you and call the hotline and safety plan for you is, is very helpful. So talking to people, even if you feel like hey I haven't like that my abuser really alienated me from everyone and I haven't really talked to this person in six months, that person still cares about you. So don't think that like just because you haven't that person pushed you away from them uh, that they won't help you that's a big thing. I think hotlines, right? We just published a piece um, working with with a a sexual assault hotline, but what happens when you call a hotline? It's very intimidating, right? You are admitting, like admitting you have a problem is like a huge thing. And and admitting that you are experiencing violence is a huge step and and asking for help and getting that help. And so demystifying what it's like to actually call a hotline, what are they going to do for you? What information do they know about you? Do they have to call the police? Like, these are all questions people have before utilizing these resources. So, how can we demystify that? But calling a hotline saved my life, right? Calling hotline saved my life, and then utilizing community, I think, is like the final thing. And, and community looks different for for everyone, but it's, it's safety is very personal. And so, like you have to safety plan, right? You cannot just leave a relationship, especially if it's very, very abusive. Like again, I said, that's the most harmful, violent. Time for a survivor, and so creating a customized safety plan with an advocate, with someone who knows how to to navigate these systems, is is so important. And so, don't do it alone,
1: right? There are people out there who will help you. Amazing. And for those who are listening, reading, who aren't in that situation but don't want to get in that situation, you know, understand the prevalence. Like, just walk me through the Garbo process. You download an app, you know, walk us through the process here to tell us how simple it is and how crucial it could be uh, in preventing something like what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, so, you know, you're swiping on someone on an app and you match, you start chatting. And then we found that about 85% of conversations move to text messaging. And that's why we work with a phone number. Um, and, And so you have the information that you can pull from their profile. And then Garbo today is a web app. So you don't even need to download anything. We're launching an iOS version very, very soon. But you just go to app.garbo.io. Uh, create an account and then enter in that Im- information that you know, and either it, it will perform a search because it's accurate information or we have like void detection. Are they giving you a void phone number, right? That's a major red flag. It can be a, a green flag or a red flag, right? Survivors often give void numbers because they're scared to give out their real number, but criminals also give out void numbers, right? So like it's, it's a balance of, of these things. And so I suggest running a Garbo search right when you get that phone number, right? Um, even, even before you give them your phone number, right? Try and get theirs yeah. and, and then see if you want to give that phone number to them. And so it's it's such a simple process. It's so affordable. We give away free search credits to those in need. Like we just had this Um, young woman in college reach out that she was worried about her friend, who her friend was dating. She called him a walking red flag, but she's like, I don't have money to buy this. You know? And I said, we'll give you search credits. Like we sent her a link, gave her some search credits. And she said, wow, this person had a long history of violent and harmful behavior. And now they are safety planning for her to leave the relationship. And so you're seeing it actually happen, right? What, what we intended for the solution to be. And so just seeing people use it and stuff is, is so great, but it's, so easy and it's so affordable. But if you can't, like, you can just reach out to us and and we'll we'll do uh,
1: whatever we can to help whoever. That's incredible. You know, I'm sort of imagining you get your Garbo results, and then would you do a Google search as well if you have someone's full name, or does Garbo come in handy because a lot of times on these apps you don't have someone's first name? And so we do, or we do provide. access
0: actual- to the last name. And we, that was a big safety concern for us. Do we provide access to the last name? But my lens to it and some other folks on our our advocacy council was, well, not providing last name, you know, what happens if something does happen? Well, then they go to the police and say, oh, John, well, what's John's last name? I don't know, you know? And then, so, so that wasn't helpful. And then allowing people that opportunity to Google someone because, you know, maybe you do see a public record pops up right in our system of an arrest or a conviction. Well, Google will often give context to that. Right. You know, it's a news article that came out about the arrest, especially local small towns. Oh, those like news are like the every domestic violence offense is published in, in uh, local newspapers, um, often with mug shots and stuff. So we definitely recommend Googling people. It's It's proven that over 80 percent of people already are Googling their online dates, right? But Google doesn't tell you everything, right? And often doesn't show the history of violent and harmful behavior. But like, you should search that person on social media and things like, how many followers do they have? You know, you don't even have to, even if the profile is private, well, how many people are they following? How many, you know, uh, followers do they have? What's the number of photos they posted? Doing a reverse image search to see if you can find that photo anywhere else online to prove them. So it's like, again, a tool in the tool belt, but yeah, definitely Google this person, search them on social media, LinkedIn. I'm crazy about LinkedIn. I That's think it, a is good idea. Best, it is the best way, search engine, in my opinion, um, to see, you know, most people are at least have a LinkedIn profile. Are are they at the job they say they're at, yeah. which is like a big lie. I see people saying on dating profiles this is often exaggerating titles and things like that.
1: And so being like LinkedIn is like, I say, have you LinkedIn him to all of my friends now? I love that. I'm getting the verb. It's like, have you LinkedIn him? Have you garboed him? It's like, once you reach the verb status, you know, you're helping the maximum people. Yeah. One of our employees was like going on a a date,
0: an online date. And she's like, oh yeah, he works at Google, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what's his name? And, and she's like, I can't find him. And I was like, what's his name? And she's like, okay. And I'm like, where does he live? And he works at Google.
1: And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. okay, here. He's like one of these five people. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, seriously, congratulations. I mean, this is such a cool service. I feel like my hope is that in talking to you and writing about this and, and putting this out there, we'll get more people understanding that you exist and um, you know to, to use the service. So... Thank you, congrats and best of luck as you keep charging forward. Awesome, thank you so much for having me. And I really, really appreciate the time today. Awesome, we'll be in touch. All right, sounds great. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's
0: show. Your support means so much to us and I hope you got some great value from today's episode. If you're looking for resources from today's show or you'd like to join other women just like you, looking to explore their sexual health and wellness, visit
1: us over at scarletsociety.com.